story two of the human boy by eden philpotts this librivox recording is in the public domain story two the protest of the wing dormitory one this is the story of the most tremendous thing that ever happened in dunston's or any other school i should think though in it luckily i didn't do any of the big part being merely one of those chaps who were flogged and not expelled afterwards trelawney and bradwell carried the thing through and all the other fellows in the wing dormitory followed their lead and mind you everybody had the welfare of the school at heart it seemed a jolly brave sort of thing to do and jolly interesting trelawney arranged the military side of the business and bradwell whose father is known as the whiteley of some place in yorkshire looked to the commissariat which means feeding as to trelawney who really captained the dormitory he was cornish and a relation of that very chap fifty thousand cornishmen wanted to know the reason why about long ago he was going to be a soldier read history books for choice and already knew many military words i was bradwell's fag at the time because watson minor had failed in some secret enterprise and i remember the first conversation which led to everything happening to take some tuck in to bradwell in the fifth classroom i found trelawney there and heard him say the only way a protest and a jolly dignified one must be made it's for the credit of the school and if the doctor will not see it we must show him i've thought about it a lot and i think if a section of chaps could put themselves in a strong fortified position they might demand to be heard and even be able to offer an uh, uh, ultimatum of course doing the thing for the good of the school and not for ourselves makes us morally right oh of course said bradwell but we must be physically strong in warfare the relative positions of the sides are always taken into account when the treaties of peace are arranged what are you staring at said bradwell to me you hook it so i hooked but i knew perfectly well what they were talking about everybody in the wing dormitory did because they often discussed the same question after they thought the rest of the chaps were asleep it was the new mathematical master thompson who troubled not only trelawney and bradwell but a lot of the other fellows trelawney had called him an unholy bounder the third day he was there and that seemed to be a general opinion yet with all his bounderlishness he was awfully clever and meant well but he didn't know anything about chaps in a general way and he left out his h's and stuck them in with awfully rum effects thompson tried hard to be friendly to everybody but only the kids liked him he couldn't understand somehow and insulted chaps in the most frightful way not seeing any difference between fellows at the top of the school and mere kids at the bottom captains of elevens were as nothing to him he seemed to have read up boys like he read mathematics and stuff from rotten books he would say sometimes now you fellows let's have a jolly game a leapfrog before a bell rings and things like that boys never do play leapfrog except in books really once he offered to show trelawney how to make a kite and he asked chambers chambers mind you the captain of the first eleven at cricket whether he knew a shop where there were capital iron hoops for sale at a shilling each i heard him say it and he put it like this i say chambers do you know those splendid hoops they sell at burford's in high street 
it's out of bounds but if you like i'll get you one this evening they've got iron crooks and everything i make this offer because you understood a little of what i said about conic sections this afternoon thompson meant so jolly well that nobody could get in a wax with him personally and as i say the kids who didn't see the unholy bounder side of him and only knew he stood gallons of ginger beer on half holidays in the playing fields liked him better than anybody but trelawney took big views and so did bradwell and they decided to make a definite protest nothing happened till one day thompson said something about trelawney's celtic thickness of skull that stung trelawney like nettles and he set to work and arranged the great plot of the wing dormitory he decided that the fifteen chaps who slept in the isolated wing dormitory of dunstan's were to fortify the place and hold it before the world and the doctor as a protest against thompson every chap in the dormitory from trelawney and bradwell to watson minor signed their names in their own blood on a paper trelawney drew out and watson minor fainted while he was doing it not being able to see his own gore on a pen without going off we swore by a tremendous swear to obey trelawney to fortify the wing dormitory against siege to devote every penny of our week's pocket-money to provisions and to hold out till we starved having first signed another paper for dr dunstan explaining our united protest against thompson and hoping for the good of the school that he would be removed i didn't understand much about it really in fact i don't believe anybody did but trelawney and bradwell only they said we were acting for the good of the school and they also said that if we held the wing dormitory properly nothing short of cannon or starvation could dislodge us it was a tremendously tall building complete in itself with iron fireproof doors constructed to cut it off from the rest of the school and with a bathroom and a lavatory adjoining all at a great height above the ground the windows were barred to keep chaps getting out the bars would also keep chaps getting in as trelawney pointed out he found also that it was possible when the iron doors were closed to pull down some woodwork and stick things behind the doors so as they could not be opened again the only entrance to the wing dormitory was through these iron doors so once shut we were safe against anything but gunpowder and trelawney said dr dunstan was not the man to resort to physical means especially if it meant knocking the place about bradwell came out wonderfully about the food and knowing jolly well that they would turn the water out of the bathroom when the siege started he made every chap fill his basin and jug the night before because fresh water is vital to a siege there were fifteen chaps and the time came at last and one night we laid the manifesto on the mat outside the iron door made everything fast and waited to see what would happen some fellows thought that thompson would be sent away at once to avoid the affair becoming serious others fancied we should be starved out or expelled to a man trelawney never hazarded any guess at what would be the end of it we are doing our duty in the interests of the school he said and whatever happens we mean well and if it gets into print the sympathy of all chaps in public schools will be on our side Two when the gas was turned out at the meter on the night preceding the siege trelawney made a short speech 
first he lighted two candles and made us sign the protest then he explained his military system of night and day watches and guards each of the four windows had a guard at all hours and two chaps were to be stationed at the iron door this was made doubly strong by beds piled against it after the manifesto had been finally signed and left outside the document ran thus we the undersigned thinking that the fame of dunstan's is tarnished by mr thompson m a fellow of trinity college cambridge hereby protest and formally assert themselves to call attention to mr thompson we the undersigned have no personal grudge to mr thompson but think him unsuited to carry on the great reputation of dunstan's we the undersigned take this important step fully alive to the gravity of it for we are prepared to suffer if necessary to call attention to the subject we do not doubt mr thompson's goodness and wish it to be understood that the action is abstract and not personal a string will be lowered from the third window of the wing dormitory to-morrow at eight thirty a m any answer to the protest will receive instant attention from us the undersigned and then followed the names of course it was all greek to the kids but they put their trust in trelawney and signed to a kid inside the dormitory we were jolly busy too because after trelawney as commander had made his rules and regulations clear bradwell as the head of the commissariat drew up a list of the total supplies and showed what each fellow had contributed to the store this list i copied for bradwell at the time with notes about the different supplies it comes in here and i must give it just to show what different ideas different chaps have about the things you ought to eat in a siege trelawney two hams eight loaves of bread bradwell three tens potted salmon two seed cakes big box of biscuits ashby major ten ten sardines ashby has five shillings a week pocket money his father being rather rich bradwell said it was rather a pity he spent it all on sardines ashby minor three pats of butter three tens swiss milk one tin guava jelly bradwell was awfully pleased about the milk because he said it was at once nourishing and pleasant to the taste wilson six dried herrings two pots veal and ham paste one pot marmalade herrings useless unless eaten raw west four bottles of raspberry vinegar i am west and i thought raspberry vinegar would be a jolly good thing to break the monotony of a siege but bradwell said it was simply a luxury Marant, one hamper containing twenty-four apples twenty-seven pears two pots of blackberry jam Marant has no pocket money but bradwell said the fruit was good for a change gideon nothing gideon is a jew by birth and gets ten shillings a week pocket money he pretended he had forgotten trelawney says he will suffer for it in the course of the siege mathers eight pieces of shortbread five slabs of toffee seven sausage rolls the rolls were cut in half to be eaten first thing before they went bad but bradwell said mathers had made the selection of a fool and so mathers was rather vexed with bradwell nunes ten loaves five brown one packet of beef tabloids trelawney congratulated nunes mcginns a lot of spring onions and lettuces costing one and sixpence 
mckins had been reading a book about chaps getting scurvy on a raft and he thought a siege would be just the place for scurvy so he bought all green stuff and bradwell said it was good corky minimus three pounds of mixed sweets bradwell smacked his head when he heard what corgi minimus had got but trelawney pointed out that a few sweets served out from time to time might distract the mind derbyshire a pigeon pie and thirteen currant buns with saffron on them forest four pots bovril one bottle cider bovril can be taken on bread like treacle and once saved the lives of several shipwrecked sailors watson minor two pounds dog biscuits one pound dried figs one box of dates asked why he took dog biscuits he explained it was because he had seen an advertisement about the goodness of them it said they had dried buffalo meat in them which was a thing you could live for an immense duration of time on trelawney said that it was pretty fair sense for a kid all this splendid food was brought out of boxes where it had been hidden and placed in the hands of bradwell and that night he sat up with a candle and drew out bills of fare and made calculations we were rather surprised in the morning to hear the rations would not last more than a fortnight but trelawney said the siege must be over long before that nobody slept much and many had dressed before the first bell rang when the second bell rang trelawney and bradwell went to the door to listen presently thompson of all people came up and tried to get in and couldn't he shook the door then saw the envelope addressed to the doctor and said what's the meaning of this you fellows let me in at once but nobody answered then he cleared off at eight-thirty the string was lowered from the window and trelawney went and stood by it to pull up any letter that might be fastened to it but none was some of the chaps were prowling about outside looking at the wing dormitory but trelawney wouldn't let anybody go to the windows except himself then as nothing happened we had breakfast mackenzie and forrest were told off to help bradwell and each chap's rations were put on his bed after he made it we all got the same except gideon a slice of bread two sardines half one of mather's sausage rolls and half a tumbler of water so we began at once to see what a jolly serious thing a siege is and gideon saw it more than we did because he had no sardines and no sausage roll he offered trelawney money for a little more food but trelawney said he shouldn't have as much as one mixed sweet though he might pay gold for it he said you will have barely enough to keep you alive and gideon turned awfully white when he heard it breakfast didn't take more than about five minutes then there was a tremendous knocking at the iron door and bradwell said the trouble had begun but trelawney said it was the summons to a parley anyway we heard the doctor's voice and it wasn't much of a parley strictly speaking because he spoke first and merely gave us two minutes to be in our places downstairs if you don't obey one and all of you said the doctor you must take the consequences as it is they will be sufficiently grave any further offence i shall know how to treat if you please sir said trelawney the string is out of the window we are doing this for the good of the school and then he stopped because he had heard the doctor go away he'll try a blacksmith first said forrest then when they find they can't do anything with his iron door he'll send for policemen 
but nothing was done strangely enough and trelawney made the chaps lie down and sleep if they could in the afternoon because he expected a night attack with ladders to get in it would be necessary to remove the bars from the windows and anybody attempting to do so would of course be at our mercy with the windows open for dinner that day we had one of trelawney's hams cut into fifteen pieces with two rather thin slices of bread one spring onion and three mixed sweets each and as much raspberry vinegar as would go into a bullet mould that wilson had gideon ate the ham like anybody else which shows jews don't refuse pork in any shape at times of siege whatever they say trelawney wouldn't give him any raspberry vinegar but ashby minor let him have one of his mixed sweets which was green and had arsenic in it ashby minor thought it seemed a frightfully long day and nothing being done against us made it longer bradwell tried to cook wilson's herrings with stuff out of a pillowcase but unfortunately failed trelawney explained that dunston was working out tactics and would do something when the moon rose he said our motto was to be defence not defiance but derbyshire said they were going to starve us out like rats so as to reduce the glory as much as possible one or two chaps had private rows that day and trelawney was pretty short and sharp he said we were to regard ourselves as under martial law and he stopped forrest having any tea at all because he looked out of the window and waved his hand to steggles in the playground what made it worse for forrest was that we opened one of his pots of bovril at that very tea and of course he didn't have any but trelawney said it was good discipline and wouldn't let mathers divide his share with young forrest though he wanted to the day dragged out nothing was done and no letter was put on the string then night came and moonlight and trelawney set watches at each window and door with directions to wake him instantly if anything happened or anybody assembled outside below but he didn't sleep really in fact only a few of the kids did bradwell got a bit down in the mouth after dark and i heard him say to trelawney it wasn't turning out like he thought and trelawney said it's always the same when a position is impregnable i could show you a dozen similar sieges in history of course it's the most uninteresting sort of siege when chaps simply sit and see the enemy get to the end of their food supplies but they won't do that with us the day boys will talk and old dunston will raise heaven and earth to keep it out of the printed papers i bet he'll tie something to the string to-morrow some of us tried to take a bright view like trelawney but when we heard him tell bradwell to run no risks and serve out as little bread as possible we felt that he did not really feel as hopeful of a short siege as he seemed just before dusk corky minimus was caught in the act of flinging a letter out of the window addressed to his mother it was torn up and he was cautioned that ended the day and nothing else happened until a quarter to one o'clock then bradwell whose watch it was called cave and came to trelawney with frightful excitement to say that there was the head of a ladder at his window and a man climbing up trelawney was there in a second and asked in a loud voice what the man wanted and said he'd throw the ladder down if the man came up another rung but the man said hush you silly fellow i'm a friend with news from the enemy the least you can do is to ear what i've got to say 
good lord said trelawney it's thompson and so it was and his huge head soon got level with the window and looked like a bull's against the moonlight trelawney made everybody get out of earshot except bradwell but he didn't happen to see me being rolled up in bed near the window so i heard first thompson said look here you cornish boy i'm sorry to find we haven't at it off by any means and you want me to go and you've locked yourself and friends up here as a protest now how have i hurt your feelings and what have i done which was a bit difficult for trelawney but he fell back on the manifesto to the doctor it's no personal matter sir we wish to be understood that the action is abstract oh well i can't say i know what the devil you mean by that but i like you all better than ever and i understand this much that you don't like me i'm not proud i'm quite as ready to learn as to teach tell me what makes you do this you queer things we don't think you are the right man for dunston sir said trelawney firmly well but isn't dr dunston the best judge his experience reaches back rather farther than yours anyway i'm not going you'll have to tolerate me you'll have to like me too i've disobeyed all orders by climbing up here now to advise you to give in to-morrow take my advice and come out at the first bell and with ropes round your necks measures are in hand and as your protest has utterly failed the sooner you give in and take your punishment the better i've done my best to make it as light as i can but boys mustn't do this sort of thing in big schools you know it's very naughty indeed we shall keep up the protest for another day at least sir said trelawney with a lot of side in his voice no my lad you won't answered thompson the doctor has taken my advice and by very simple means with the least possible waste of time trouble and money we shall enter your stronghold to-morrow i am quite good-tempered to-day to-morrow i shall probably be quite cross and ought the matter is in my hands do be good boys and yield while there is time the sooner the better i regret we cannot comply with your terms sir said trelawney i'm not offering any answered mr thompson i only want to make your foolishness fall as light as possible your mother's and father's arts will ache over this headstrong business the parley is ended said trelawney all right said mr thompson i'm afraid you're a hawful little prig trelawney then he went down the ladder and looking out bradwell reported that he saw him taking it back to the gardener's shed in the shrubbery three there is not much more to be said about the protest of the wing dormitory i suppose thompson was better up in tactics really than trelawney anyway he found a weak spot that trelawney never thought of and he ended the siege by half-past seven the following morning about six ashby major whose watch it was reported that the school fire escape was coming round the corner with it appeared mr thompson mr mannering who is an oxford blue and not much smaller than mr thompson the doctor the gardener and the military agent who drills our volunteer corps and teaches gymnastics they put the escape against the wall of the wing dormitory between two windows where it couldn't be reached by us then thompson and mannering went up and the sergeant and gardener followed the doctor waited at the foot of the ladder they'll get through the roof said trelawney i never thought of that trelawney turned awfully rum in the face and tried to think out a way of repelling a roof attack but there wasn't time in about ten minutes or so the end of an iron bar came through the ceiling 
then followed a regular avalanche of plaster and dust that fell on wilson minor and jolly nearly smothered him then came thompson mannering followed and the gardener and the sergeant dropped after them as quick as lightning of course we were done because only half of us were fighters the rest being kids and trelawney himself being just fifteen and bradwell fourteen and ashby major twelve and a half and i only eleven and a half it was no good we surrender said trelawney surrender you little brute i should think you did yield said mannering who had cut his hand getting the slates off the roof and was in a rare bait you needn't insult a defeated force sir said trelawney keeping his nerve jolly well we are prepared to pay the penalty of failure and having meant well we we don't care but whether we meant well or not i know trelawney and bradwell both got expelled though thompson was said to have tried very hard for them dunston didn't seem to realize what frightfully good motives prompted them to protest against thompson in an abstract way nothing was done to anybody else except ashby major and me and wilson we were flogged by mr mannering for the doctor and he did it as you might expect from a blue as for thompson he stayed on and the protest never got into print and there wasn't much disgrace for trelawney or bradwell after all because the first afterwards got into woolwich ten from the top through an army crammers and the second joined his father who was the whiteley of the north i spoke of he wrote to me only a week ago to say that he was getting a hundred pounds a year from his governor for doing much less than he had to do at dunston's mind you thompson is a jolly good sort really and we know it now and as i heard my uncle say of somebody else i don't suppose it's a matter of life and death whether or no a chap puts his h's in the wrong places if his heart's in the right one End of story two